0: Greetings citizens and welcome to Unknown. Jason McClellan. I'm here with Shane Hurd and we're happy you're here to hang out with us today. We'll be discussing yet another episode of History's Project Blue Book today, but let's get our announcements out of the way first. Maureen Nelsberry and I are presenting a panel at Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle, Washington on Friday, March 15th titled Real Life X-Files Strange Stories of Real Paranormal Investigations. This is going to be a fun one and we've done something similar a couple different times at a couple different events but essentially we're taking a look at real government paranormal projects where there's documentation showing that the government participated in actual paranormal studies interesting stuff so Emerald City Comic Con runs March 14th through the 17th at the Washington State Convention Center for more information about the event and to buy tickets go to EmeraldCityComicCon.com. Shane and I will be at UFO Megacon in Laughlin, Nevada on March 30th. As the name implies, UFO Megacon is a mega event. It runs from March 24th all the way through the 30th. It's really long and it features something like 40 speakers. Check out ufomegacon.com for all the information on that event. And again, we'll be there March 30th. So if you want to come, if you're going to be there and you'd like to meet us, come hang out. We'd love to see you. We'd love to say hello. So re- feel free to reach out to and let us know if you plan to be there because we'd love to have an idea of uh, who we might see there. Then June 21st through the 23rd, Ryan Sprague and I will be speaking at AlienCon in Los Angeles. Now, Alien Con is a massive event. And... You know, Shane and Morgan will probably be there too, so it's going to be a good time. We'll certainly be talking much more about AlienCon as that gets closer, but as I said, that's all the way in June, so we still have a ways to go. But thealiencon.com is the event's website. That's where you should go to learn more about the event, and it's where you can grab your tickets too. Those are the announcements we have for today. So with those out of the way, let's get into this week's Project Blue Book discussion. If you're not familiar with this show, the TV network History launched this new dramatic series, Project Blue Book, just this season, and this fictional series is based on the United States Air Force's real-life official UFO study that ran from 1952 through 1969. Yes, the U.S. Air Force officially investigated UFOs. Although the show is fictional, it draws on real Project Blue Book cases, using those for inspiration— And the show's protagonist is a character named Dr. J. Allen Hynek, a real individual who served as a scientific advisor to the government on Project Blue Book and its predecessors, Project Sign and Project Grudge. We're talking about episode six today, and episode six was titled Green Fireballs. Before we talk about the episode, Shane's going to give us a brief overview of
1: the real inspiration for the green fireballs in this episode. Shane? Great. Thank you. So, Yeah, as Jason mentioned, uh, the episode is about the Green Fireballs. Again, a real event that occurred in around 1948. In fact, carried on as late as 1951, uh, at the beginning of the Korean War. But it it all began really, or uh, was concentrated around the Los Alamos and the Sandia Atomic Weapons Laboratories, and then other highly sensitive uh, installations that were military base. So, these events were really concerning to the military at the time. And in fact, um, it's been said here that uh, a great many had and would continue to see these lights, and it prompted a Time Magazine article in 1951 to state, uh, the great ball of the fire, what makes the multiple sightings flying green lights in New Mexico? Well." This episode goes on to tell us uh, what that was. And so they talked about uh, a lot of features of it. Many people saw these over a period of a few weeks or months. And in particular, it's quite a sighting by some pilots on December 5th, 1948. And two separate plane crews had reported seeing these uh, green balls of fire. And um, the pilots made a report and it went something like this. He said, take a softball and paint it with some kind of fluorescent paint that will glow a bright green in the dark. Then, have someone take that ball about 100 feet in front of you, and about 10 feet above you, and have them throw it right at your face as hard as he can. That's what it looked like to them. So no, no doubt that was a big deal to those guys. Uh, it um, scared them, and they made a report, and those reports began to be taken seriously. In fact, uh, Dr. Lincoln LaPaz uh, from New Mexico's Institute of Meteorites headed a team of scientists to take a look at this case. And um, I found a lot of inexplicable sightings that occurred in the area. In fact, uh, some of the folks describing it said those balls of fire descended from the heavens at a 45-degree angle, then leveled off into a gravity-defying horizontal flight path and then as he would later write he said none of the green fireballs has a trail of sparks or a dust cloud so of course the military's first consideration of an explanation was in fact meteors but you know as these descriptions came to light it was clear that that really was not the best explanation and then other explanations came up Um, one that we even hear about today is ball lightning even though it's not really to be a known or provable thing in nature and they had uh, also they were thinking hey maybe these are the russians or maybe these are secret u.s weapons or spy craft and they just couldn't get a straight answer for it and of course that technology for those things to perform in that way just wasn't available at the time and then they also were quite concerned because these were around nuclear sites and these military installations and they just couldn't explain it. And it was something they really didn't want to get out in the public but it was because there was, you know hundreds of people and mostly all scientists and military personnel because that's where these things were occurring so it was quite a stir at the time and it did eventually make it to public in the media and a lot of people were pretty freaked out by it. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, that was presented kind of cool
0: in the show. Um how do you how did you feel the the green fireballs were
1: were portrayed in the show, Shane? Yeah, it was pretty interesting the way they did it. I again, I think the episodes are real heavy on the 1950s, you know, fear factor of the Cold War. Absolutely. And they did a really good job, you know, portraying that with the, you know, the whole fake town in Nevada and they started off the episode with this, you know, uh, fault alarm and all, and then a bunch of really Russian intrigue occurred throughout the episode thereafter. So, um, you know, Heineke was, I thought he was a little, I don't know, disturbing in his behavior. But I think that's just part of the storyline right now. But um, uh, and then, you know, they eventually they kind of really mimicked the way real life happened in that you know there are these opposing theories and in the end they they left it with a mundane theory that it was these uh, meteors but you know everybody kind of winked and and knew that that's not really what they were yeah you you bring up a the
0: point of uh Heineck sort of unraveling in this episode and we definitely see him he's, he's frazzled and and not himself um, and his wife certainly real or notices that too. And that, that stems from, you know, him having seen, uh, a man kill himself right in front of him. So he's kind of not knowing how to process all this and just losing it really. So yeah, it's, it's fascinating to see, um, how they're painting Hynek now. And, and it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. Um, as far as the green fireballs, it's cool that, like you mentioned, they started the episode at a test site, you know, so they're, they're bringing in that nuclear connection with the green fireballs. And of course we hear about, uh, about meteors plenty in this episode. And that, that makes sense because Mm -hmm. they kind of go hand in hand and we'll talk more about that in a minute. But, uh, what about you, Shane, have you come across any cases involving green fireballs in your work as a field investigator for the mutual UFO network?
1: Uh, Yeah, actually I, I have had such a case and, Um, you know, it's a pretty, uh, I don't believe there's photographic evidence in this case, but the description, and, you know, they they can be pretty um, dramatic looking. They, uh, you know, that color grabs your attention, their movement, and then, you know, sparks and pieces flying off, and, you know, it's it's quite a visual. So, um, you know, in the investigative process, one of the things that we do look for is, you know, astronomical events and, I think in that case I was able to match up that. Um, I think the Meteorite Society, um, you know, records many of the major um, bolides and, right. and green balls. Yeah, and so I was able to match it up that way. But yeah, it's a it's a pretty dramatic event when you see one. That's cool that you
0: were able to do that. Yeah, of course, green fireballs are fairly common in our skies and. Most often, they are simply meteors. The dominant composition of a meteor can play a big part in what determines the color we see when it streaks through the sky. And a nickel-rich meteor, I think it's nickel, yeah, should be, a nickel-rich meteor is probably going to appear green as the elements are vaporized. So I've certainly seen those, but I've also seen other green things in the sky that... Um, as we've heard with, with these historical accounts and as we're portrayed on the show, not quite to that level of, of, of dramatic event, but, uh, I've seen green objects in the sky that, uh, certainly don't behave like meteors. So I've seen
1: both sides. Oh, and yeah. I just, I was just going to say, so even like in the blue book case and on the show, you know. Meteors that go level and then go back up, and you know that kind of movement really is what sets them apart from, you know, what you could probably logically describe as a as a meteor, but obviously not all green lights are meteors. Yeah, that's a very good point. Now, I and
0: green certainly, it's understandable that it gets reported a lot as a UFO because. You know, we don't really see, we're not used to seeing green things in the sky, you know, we're used to seeing stars and planets and and airplanes and, you know, things that don't typically have green lights. So those always stand out and certainly astronomical events included, they are bizarre to us when we see them. But like I said, they're not always astronomical events. Um, there are some weird things in our sky, Shane. You and I have both seen them, um, and plenty of people report them all the time too. So I'm glad they covered the uh, the green fireball case. But uh, you know, I don't want people to discount the uh, the likelihood that things are are meteors because that is the case most of the time, I would I would venture to mm-hmm. say most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. So it's a good thing to keep in mind when you're considering the possibility of the identification for something green streaking through the sky.
1: The devil's always in the details, isn't it?
0: <laughs> it is, it is. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. I am, will fully admit that there are plenty of things in our skies that uh, are just absolutely wild and defy. Any sort of explanation we can come up with the five physics and, and, you know, just any sort of logic, logical identification, we can place on it with the technology that we're aware of. But that being said, there's also a lot in our skies that, uh, you know, looks completely bizarre, but it has a logical explanation. And, you know, that stuff is equally fascinating because we don't get to see it all that often and we're not that familiar with it. But uh, it's good to keep those things in mind. And as a responsible investigator, Shane, I'm glad that you're aware of the uh, the catalog of, of bolides and, and the fireballs. That's always fun to look at. And it's a great resource when people report seeing these fireballs streak across the sky.
1: Yeah, no doubt.
0: Well, as usual, I like to point out that history... For anyone who wants to give them flack for for having a little fun with history, a historical event, or a historical uh, entity like Project Blue Book and and fictionalizing it, they also go out of their way. And after every episode, they like to provide the information or, or some information on the actual incident or something from history that provided the inspiration for their specific episode. They do it right after the show airs and they provide more information on their website, history.com. And they put together these cool short videos explaining that stuff. And they're hosted by UFO historian Richard Dolan and UFO researcher Jacques Vallée. Those
1: are fun. They do a good job with those. So check that out.
0: So you're still enjoying Project Blue Book, Shane?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's hard to not even get caught up in the story itself and i'm looking forward to what's going to happen next week. Yeah, yeah. I'm
0: I'm I'm loving it too, man. It's it's a fun show and you know, I, although i've i've found myself and like we did a couple of weeks ago, you know, kind of questioning and becoming that person going, "Oh, wait a minute. Where are they going with this story yeah. now?" But then you take a step back and say, "This is this is fiction. This is just a drama. Mm-hmm. We're having fun here." So, yeah. <laughs> they've gone a little yeah. crazy and, and veered pretty far off the path, but I still like it. I still like it. Well, episode 7 of Project Blue Book airs on February 19th, and that episode is titled The Scoutmaster. That's pretty vague. I have no idea what to expect from a title like that. But sadly, what I'm envisioning, Shane, is an episode where... All right, stay with me. So an episode where Mimi becomes enraged after Joel tells her that his scoutmaster tried to touch him inappropriately. So Uh (laughs) she and Susie go kill the scoutmaster and bury his body in the backyard in the Hynek's nifty bomb shelter.
1: (laughs) What do you think? You think that's a good plot? Yeah. Well, I think that would capture a few, uh, a bit of attention there that, that episode definitely. (laughs) I mean, it brings
0: the bomb shelter back into the story. It's a good bonding experience for Mimi and Susie. (laughs) I can see it happening. But that's probably not the Scoutmaster that they're referring to. So we'll just have to wait and see. Well, citizens, as we wrap up this episode, we invite you to come join us in the Rogue Planet Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Rogue Planet and let us know what you thought of this episode of Project Blue Book or anything else UFO-related that's on your mind. And please, always feel free to reach out to us if you have questions, if you want to share a UFO experience you've had, or anything else. We're all over social media. We have a contact form on the website. Or you can always email me directly. My email address is jason at RoguePlanet.tv. And Shane, you want to throw your email address out?
1: It's Herd Ranch at AOL.com.
0: There you go. So you've got our email addresses. Feel free to contact us anytime. You can find more episodes of Unknown on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and yes, even YouTube. Subscribe on your favorite podcast provider so you're notified when we publish new episodes. And we invite you to rate and review Unknown on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps the show get more exposure. So just sharing the show with friends. That's a small favor we're asking you. Post these episodes all over social media and help introduce new people to unknown. Big thanks to our talented friend and fellow Rogue Planeteer, Caleb Hanks, for the show's intro and outro music. Visit his website, theclerkchronicles.com. You can always find this show at RoguePlanet.tv, because Unknown is a Rogue Planet production. RoguePlanet.tv is your home for all the strange. It's also where you can get your own Unknown t-shirt from the Rogue Planet store. Just go to store.rogueplanet.tv. Thanks again for hanging out with us today. I'm Jason McClellan. And I'm Shane Heard. Do us a favor, friends. Always treat the UFO subject with the cautious and responsible skepticism it deserves. Question everything. Have the courage to form your own opinions. Keep truth. As the focus of your quest, even if the truth conflicts with your opinions. And of course, stay strange.